until the last day in our lives in the press conference. But here, I'm going to tell you the truth. So he's not the biggest, the fastest, or the smartest. So how does a lion become the king of the jungle? His mentality. Join us on our journey to educate and develop the current and next generation of coaches. Our staff strives to achieve our mission to give the game back to the players, one coach at a time. Visit www.coachedsoccer.com for all your coach education needs. Hello guys, welcome to the Coach Ed Podcast. I'm Eric Claremont. And today we have Marcelo Antonelli, author of the book Soccer Powered by Futsal. How's it going, Marcelo? I'm good. Thanks for asking. How about you? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, can't complain. Obviously, strange times with with uh, COVID-19, but, you know, we're finding um, new ways um, to, to develop ourselves and develop, obviously, our players. Um, one, of, one of those ways has been, obviously looking at your website and and getting um, acquainted with some of your ideas. Now, just for the listeners, to give you a little bit of background, Marcelo's book, Soccer Powered by Futsal, goes into some of the concepts um, from the from the sport of futsal, which c- can be transferred to the game of soccer. So I think you're really going to enjoy um, some new ideas. Um, so have an open mind and obviously um, we'll get going. So, Marcelo, just give us a brief biography of your background, um, any playing career and coaching career up to this point. I grew up in Brazil, playing soccer and futsal, both at the same time. So I played for many different clubs of both sports growing up, growing up all the way to to high school and then even college. Um, I was in college um, studying to be a coach physical education major, sports sciences. At that point, I was the goalkeeper for my seat selection team. And I was also the coach for my for the futsal team in college and the goalkeeper for the soccer team in college. Of okay. course, things in Brazil are a little different from America, right? That yes. would not be possible here. Of course. But that's how it worked at the time. And then um, after that, I, I was coaching in an academy in Brazil, uh, working out of girls, soccer and futsal. We had a very good team in Brazil, uh, called Guarani Futebol Club. We have sent like dozens of girls to America. But um, I thought I was young still, so I went to Italy and I played futsal professionally there for six years. Um, Once I turned my PCL and then my career was over, I came to the United States. That was in 2007, and for 10 or 11 years, I've been coaching uh, college uh, women's soccer in NCAA Division One. Okay, and what, what school is that, sorry? So, I coached for eight years at St. Francis University in Pennsylvania, Okay. and then for four years at UC Davis in California. And then I left college coaching two years ago, when my daughter was born. I decided to take a break to have more time at home okay. and dedicate myself to, to build up this project that was in my mind for a long time. Fantastic. No, I think that's, that's some great insight um, into you know, your, your background and your, your career. So tell us a little bit about you know, your younger days, right? And um, your growing for the love of futsal. You said you played futsal and soccer. Um, when you were growing up, what was, you know, did did you like one more than the other or did, did you feel as if it was the same game like tell us a little bit about your your overall you know point of view from a, from a child's point of view right as to how you how you took the games it's a great question you know i'm i'm smiling listening to your question because i'm i'm getting back to my 6 years old mind <laughs> yeah you know and i'm watching the world cup in 1982 and as odd as it as it is as a brazilian I was listening to the to the games and Germany was playing and Schumacher was the goalkeeper 
not even sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Schumacher, yeah. Or you, pronounced you, in Brazil. I think, I think, yeah. So okay. I, I would just hear them, Schumacher, Schumacher, save. And then that thing came into my mind, and I want to be a goalkeeper. I was six years old, so I started at home, like, you know, to catching everything, to jumping, diving. So I'm saying that because then when you start to play, I would care less if it was soccer, society, futsal. Like, in my mind, I was a goalkeeper. I had to be the best. I had to do well. I had to have fun with the games. I would be counting the goals, the stats in my mind. I was like, like an OCD. <laughs> um, so I had absolutely no clue, you know, which one I would enjoy more. Like, uh, for me, every game was, that was it. You know, like as a child, we, we don't think like as an adult, we're worried about the future or the past or blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. As a child, I just want to play. I want to have fun. I'm the best I could. So, yeah, I don't have an answer. I'd say I would love any, any kind of goalkeeping that would show up in front of me. Fantastic. And what was the part? What was the part of these, you know, soccer and futsal? What was what was the part of it that really um, allowed you to enjoy and have fun? Um, you know, was it the team aspect? Did you just love the sport in general? What were those aspects that you spoke about? The culture, you know, like when you're growing up in Brazil and uh, you grew up in England, correct? Yes, correct. It's a completely different culture. Like it's soccer everywhere, and in Brazil, it's soccer, it's beach soccer, it's football, it's futsal, it's seven aside soccer. It's just the passion, the dream to one day, you know, become a professional, to be wearing the jersey of the team that you love. Yes. Um, and then the competition becomes fun, and that's how it goes in your mind, I guess. Like inside out, you know that movie when they have the little things inside the girl's head? Like yes, my head was yes. soccer, 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 soccer. Yeah. Maybe a little bit about food and sleep, but everything else was like <laughs> soccer or futsal or whatever. You know, it was all mixed together. It was a ball and I had to catch it and play with my teammates. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, why I asked the question is, you know, a big part of, you know, anything that you do. And I think something that's forgotten a lot. Um, when we're coaching, you know, I've coached at the college level as well, um, but also, um, you know, at the youth level now is, you know, sometimes we forget that the love of the game is is the the core, right? Uh, and that's where it that that's where it needs to begin. And sometimes we take that as a given with regards to you know some some coaches maybe you know um, trying to focus on different areas or motivate players in different ways when um, at the end of it. You know, we really need to have that at the core of our teaching, you know, understanding why the players are here, why they first started playing and really reminding them of that. Right. Reminding them that they're they're here because of that culture, the, you know, the competition, the camaraderie, the, you know, just the love of playing and, and wanting to master the sport. So, no, I think that's fantastic. Um, you know, the way you describe that and how, you know, in your brain, all you could think about was playing, playing, playing all the time. Um, so, so, you know, obviously moving forward now to your, your current, um, your current, um, business venture and obviously writing the book, tell us a little about, a bit about the inspiration behind Soccer Power by Futsal methodology and, and, you know, where did that, where did the idea, uh, come from and, you know, how did you bring that into, bring that to life? Yeah, so, you know, from the child's mind to this mind, so different, right? You're right. Like, it, we, we cannot forget our roots because the way for me to create soccer by futsal was a completely different approach to everything. Yes. Um, so, I came to America after six years of professional futsal in Italy. And the day okay. I stepped here as a college coach, I start to see the qualities of the American players and the things they were really good at doing. But it was also obvious for me that many things that, you know, it's so clear for me, they could not even grasp the, the idea or the concept. It was foreigner. It was like a foreigner language, foreigner country. It was a foreigner concept. Yes. And it did not take long for me to realize that <clears throat> the fact that you do not have a background in futsal did not help them, you know, in... in developing those concepts so i'm coaching division one college soccer in america also helping with clubs and stuff and realizing that all the players could not see the same things that i did 
and that was in great part because of futsal and futsal strategies. Okay, so we're going to talk more about that, but it's not just playing in a court, but all the evolution that in terms of strategy, of the concepts of the strategies of futsal. Okay. So in 2007, when I got here and I started to, to coach, that's when soccer, probably futsal came into my mind. Not thinking about writing a book, not thinking about opening a company or doing the videos or anything, but just thinking about how can I help my players to develop certain capacities. Okay. So for 10 years, while coaching college, ODP, club, whatever, I've been trying to find ways to incorporate those concepts from futsal to the soccer field. Um, Absolutely. So for years, this idea was growing and growing in my mind. Okay, so to say the inspiration was like a necessity. In my mind, I had to find a way to get it done. And during this time, many times someone's going to come asking me, hey, but what do you think about futsal or this or that? And they would give those short answers about it. Yeah. But I knew I had to put everything together. Yes. I had to tie everything. It had to make sense. had to be clear. So when my daughter was born again, I thought, you know, that's the time. Like as a college coach, you know, you, call, you, you, was, you were a coaching college, so you know, yeah. there's no time for anything else. Absolutely. Uh, with my daughter coming up, I said, you know, I, I'm going to leave college coaching for a little bit so I can stay with my daughter, coach a little bit of club, you know, and put some more time in this. So the logical path was to first write the book, which took me a year from start to end, writing hours and hours a day, and then all the social media around it to make people really understand and see this, because there's a lot of motion, a lot of concepts that are hard to explain just with words or just with a talk like this. Images, of course, make things easier to absolutely to explain. No, and I'm a, I'm a big believer you know, I've taken a look at your website just with regards to the video analysis aspect. And um, I think that's a massive, massive part, right? Um, that that we need to u- probably utilize more for, for, for players. Um, now, just backpedaling a little bit um, to, you know, how you described that when you came to the US, um, some of those areas of the game that you felt perhaps some of the American players uh, were a little bit deficient in, or perhaps they, they lacked an understanding of. Um, can you go into that a little bit more, just so that we can understand, you know, I guess the, the overarching idea that you had in your mind that really inspired this this whole soccer power by futsal? Yes. I guess the easiest examples, you know, to talk about here are like combinations, connections between players. Um, you see players grew up here and not just here, many places around the world as well, with this idea of always you have to find the spacing behind. And it doesn't make sense, right? It goes all the way down there at the end of the field, so you want to get in behind. Yeah. But not always that's the, the way that's going to work. Sometimes you have to find different alternatives to eventually get in behind. Absolutely. Um, and that means that you may have to move the ball, not just forward, but make a sideways movement with the ball to create a space outside of your defender or to move your defenders that initial movement and then they can counter movement to the opposite side so you clear a path to make a pass that means that if you're making a run you might don't make that run straight toward your target right the target in the sport of soccer is the goal yes. so you don't have to always make the run straight you okay. might start a run and then recognize everything around you the variables around you and make a change of direction absolutely and then you put both things together between the passer and the runner. And if they're both working together, if they're able to look at each other and read the space in a more complex way, they're going to find so many more solutions to the problems that appear in a game. So you can translate what I just said to some specific movements that are not really specific, but ways to manipulate space and opposing team and create solutions for the problems of the game. And futsal is extremely rich in those kind of combinations and connections. Fantastic. No, I think that sums it up very, very well. And again, we're going to hopefully go into a couple of those specific concepts a little bit later on uh, that will help paint the picture for some of the coaches. So just going (coughs) now to the overarching um, idea then. So again, you're saying that perhaps in in other countries... um, you know, players maybe have this, um, have these concepts, not all the time, but 
some of the time they have these concepts that they're able to um, understand a little bit more and definitely synthesize into and adapt and act and, and basically play um, in these ways, right? Um, now, so culturally, why do you think American players, they don't have those answers um, or they're, they're not able to kind of do that? Does it come back to the culture um, and not understanding the game as much? Or is it, is it, does it have to do with the coach, coaching culture and how we teach the players? What's your, what's your overall view of, you know, the real reason why um, there's not, there's not a big enough of a focus on, on those aspects? I guess it's hard to single out one specific factor. I think it's a combination of everything, uh, of culture, environment, because environment plays a big role in this. What do I mean by environment? Um, if you go study how Brazilian players grew up, they grew up like playing in the streets, playing those like terra batida fields. Like you have, I don't know how to say that in English, like because you don't see much of those. Yeah, like dirty, dirty, like smash the dirty fields. Um, yeah, I would, I wouldn't say it's as much on the dirt, but it's the similar. Um, you know, like we would basically play on the street, so you know we would create a field on just on a normal road. You know, so. It, whether that be on a on a normal road that cars are going by or you know we had things like called cages so the cages were obviously you know like you know metal bars obviously around it and then they would just basically put two goals on that on that cage so those are the, those are the experiences that i remember we never played on dirt but similar with regards to the you know the the structure i guess of where we played uh soccer football you know um it was, you know, so yeah, just, just to clear that up. <laughs> yeah. So all those different kind of environments and constraints of space that, you know, you had to, to face and to deal with. And of course, futsal, which is huge, big, is way bigger than soccer in Brazil in terms of amateur playing. Um, I guess generate from the start a different culture, a different way to perceive things. And then, you know, having to look up to all those super soccer stars also changes a little bit how you believe that the game is supposed to be played, what do you believe you have to do on the field. Um, I think those are major factors in this. And then it gets a little bit more complicated about coaching because, you know, like America has all kinds of coaching, you know, yes. from lower level to very high level. Uh, you know, the coaches from all over the world here, the Americans that love to study the game, so I'm very careful about talking about this because I, I don't think it's a one answer that fits all. The reality in America as well as in Brazil or I guess in England the same, like can change a lot from place to place. Yeah. But the, the overall culture and environment, you know, creates changes that affect most of people. Okay. No, interesting, interesting. Um, so, you know, if you if you had to, you know, break down I guess for for some coaches who wanted to implement a futsal program for their team into their environment, you know, I know in some areas of the of of the country it would pr probably be a little bit easier to figure that out because you know they're not they're not playing for three or four months of the year with with the way the weather works. Um, but you know, how would you how would you advise a coach who wanted to implement futsal into into their into their program? Okay. So that's a very complex question because reality is coming different. And I guess I need to explain a little bit more of soccer power by futsal than to answer this. Absolutely. Um, because soccer power by futsal, the idea of the methodology, it goes beyond just playing futsal. So when you talk about futsal as a tool to develop soccer, everyone might have a little different view about it. And unless you need to understand the the broad possibilities that it brings. So we can talk about playing futsal from early ages and all the benefits that come with it. We can talk about mixing in a soccer club, futsal and soccer training. We can talk about a kid that plays soccer with one club and then plays futsal with a different club that specializes in futsal. You can use things that propose a methodology like the use of the concepts of futsal strategies into small-sided games. 
you can use futsal set pieces to get you ideas on the soccer field. Okay, so I'm naming the top of my head now. Um, Absolutely. If you go over my articles and stuff, you're going to find everything, you know, organized. Yes. Uh, yeah. In a more logical way, because again, just the top of my head. But there's many different ways to get this job done. Okay. Um, so to answer your question, it, it's a little hard for me because it depends on the rabbit of everyone, right? Yes. If you have a club where you can implement futsal, or if you're thinking about implementing futsal in your school, because that's how it goes in Brazil, many different places. You know, all the kids, you know, I was playing futsal for my first grade classroom team, my second grade classroom team. Now, if the question is more specifically about how to implement futsal in a soccer club, we can go more a little bit towards that, that part. Yes. You let me know if that's what you want. And even so, there are different ways to get it done and probably not in the same way according to the age. Like, you know, if I talk about kids in the primary, uh, elementary school years is one thing, middle school years is a different thing, and high school years is a different thing as well. Okay. No, I think so. I think you know you've you've spoken about a number of different areas there, and I think what I was getting to was the fact that you don't specifically need to have a an actual futsal program within your club um, to be able to implement some of the concepts that you're talking about here. So you can obviously do it within the club environment, within the um, you know within the um, overarching soccer environment, which which is obviously what I was getting to now. So you obviously spoke about age and how, I guess, um, we need to make it age appropriate depending on if they're, as you're saying, primary school age kids compared to high school age kids. So tell us a little bit about your, you know, your point of view as to the stages of learning, right? And what, what the needs are for kids, let's say, let's start from um, seven, eight years old, right? Six, seven, eight years old. And perhaps, you know, some of those concepts that you feel the kids need to um, have embedded into their into their soccer, I guess, understanding from that age, like what are the most important things? And then obviously developing that throughout the ages to, I guess, the pre-professional phase up to, you know, 16, 17, 18. How would you go about, you know, instilling a curriculum with your concepts? So those first years, elementary school or the years that is the window of learning for those ages allow you to do lots of duels, lots of touching the ball, lots of one v ones, lots of really, really small combinations like two players. Yeah. Um, the environment has to be the biggest teacher. So you as a coach have to know how to control that environment to create things that are fun, that are competitive, that will develop the love of the game. And goes back to the initial of our conversation, right? When you was telling about that age, all I would care about was to compete. I want to yes. compete. I want to be challenged. I want to win. So that's natural for the kids. And I think it's something that now people say, well, kids should not compete at early age. I think that's a mistake. I think yes. the problem is that coaches and parents give too much attention to the result of the games. Like, you know, I think a seven, eight year old should compete. They like to compete. Absolutely. But if the coach or the parents after spends an hour seeing how good they were because they won and they're going to be all that, or how bad they are, how they should have done things different, I think that's the harm. Yes. If you know, if you could just play the game and the game is over and you're a parent and you just say, hey, did you have fun? Awesome. Hey, let's, let's have an ice cream. Fantastic. And I don't think the competition per se is bad. Yes. So even the environment of training should be many competitions, one v ones, two v twos, and again, and, and dealing in a good way with this, not praising too much, winning or losing, but just having fun. And then you can use already some concepts of futsal in developing those scenarios. So not in an analytical, controlled way, but in a way that they're having fun, but they are already starting to to perceive certain scenarios and find some solutions for the game. Yes. And then during the middle years, middle school years, right, fifth to eighth, ninth grade, um, it's a good time for start to learn small group tactics. So you still you want to make it game based, you still want to make it competitive, you want to make it fun. But there's many, many concepts from futsal that you can apply on a soccer field. And in those ages, if you know how to manipulate the space, 
you can get many good possible outcomes from this. Okay. Now, when you come to high school age, that's the transition phase, right? Like, you, you transition to think about the formations, systems of play, and at the same time, you want to group actions that are organized and efficient. Yeah. Um, so, if you look at my YouTube channel, can I? Yeah, of course. So, if you go soccer powered by futsal uh, on YouTube, yep. right? Just type down soccer by futsal. You're gonna find some videos there, integrated training between okay. futsal and soccer. So yeah. I use like the futsal court to teach something like high pressure. So the concepts, you know, how you close, like first player, we close the passing lane and go to the player with the ball. How the next players will pressure the second and third option of passes. So we train that there. So it becomes a game on the futsal court. And then you transfer that to a small side of the game, whatever numbers you wanna do, seven to seven, eight to eight, or whatever. And then you're gonna apply in 11 v 11. So yep. at that age in high school, you can do those things that are more specific for the game, but you still can use those small environments to make those concepts uh, more clear and in a more fun way. Like you teach the concept, okay, you got to do this, this, and this, and then it comes a game, and then you transfer to bigger scenarios. So that's kind of how I see this path uh, of implementing those concepts and those ideas into a soccer player. Fantastic. No, I, I love the way that you, you know, went through the the different aspects in a very methodical way um, based on obviously the makeup of the of the kid and their needs based on the different age groups. And I was I was on another podcast with um, a a state director of Eastern New York, and he, he shared very similar views to you with the fact that it becomes very difficult. And we do it a lot, um, I think, in the U.S., at a number of different youth levels at trying to teach, you know, you call it secondary age kids, uh, secondary school age kids or high school age kids. So maybe 13, 14 year olds or even 16, 17 year olds trying to teach them things like group tactics, integrated uh, training that you spoke about with regards to formation shape before they've even really started to talk about small group tactics. I think we, we often get that one wrong with regards to perhaps in the you know maybe they're starting um, playing the game a little bit later, so we're playing playing catch up a little bit. But also the area I think of that small group tactics phase, where now in small sided games we're actually teaching our you know the relationship of um, two different players and how you can manipulate space, which is a lot of what you go into on the attacking and defensive side of the ball. I think is is essential for for kids now to to be able to understand the bigger picture you know we kind of do it backwards um and and you know i think that's part part of the reason why um you know i guess a lot a lot of the a lot of the players um at a certain age they hit some kind of um you know wall and they can't continue to develop because you know um they i guess they need to focus on different areas of the game other outside of the tactical in order to be able to compete so now we focus more on the physical and um being able to compete physically right so i think um it's it's it's, it's really good um you know all of those areas that you spoke about and it also goes perfectly to my next question because i guess there's a conception um that perhaps some aspects embedded in futsal make it primarily geared towards the individual player. And I know your thoughts are very different to that. Can you expand on what you, what you think about that, um, that mentality or, or conception of futsal? Yes. So futsal does give the possibilities to develop a lot of 1v1s. Futsal does give you the possibility to really raise your game technically. However, you should not restrict the futsal to this. Like what you were just talking about. Uh, players have been learning 1v1 things and then they go to the big things. They go to the 11v11 formations, the 4-1, 4-1, 4-3-3, 4-4-2. Yes. But there's not too much about those small group tactics. And futsal is perfect for this. Think about this. Futsal is a professional sport. For decades, you play 5v5 all around the world. So players had to figure out, or coaches, or the sport itself was evolving towards finding the best possible combinations 
between two, three, four players, or even five when you use a goalkeeper as a fifth player, in order to unbalance the other team. Because of the environment in futsal, you are able to go to a way higher level than soccer, meaning you have more options in those small combinations that are normally worked on futsal than now worked in soccer. Yes. So futsal is ideal to develop those small group connections, whatever, whatever it's like you passing to your target. So imagine like attacking midfield, playing the ball to your center forward, and then different kind of runs to arrive to your target, different of passes from the target <laughs> back to you, maybe a penetrating pass as opposed to a ball back, a change of direction, a turn. So all those, just to give examples of target play, okay? We could go on the outside of the field or in the midfield. Anyway, all those combinations you can develop so well in futsal or in small side of the games if you have all this background from futsal to develop a better player. So again, yes, futsal is great for one of you one, but it's a big mistake in the United States and in many other countries as well to think that futsal is just about one of you ones. Absolutely. No. Um, so now I think you've you've answered that question. You know very very well um, to give that understanding that there's a lot more to it than just the individual side. Um, so you know you've spoken a, a lot about you know the 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 ways futsal can be used you know to create better soccer play so let's go into perhaps some of those ways um, that you've that you've described right so um, it, you know you've described futsal as you know allowing more touches on the ball um, allows for quick thinking and creativity um, so how how do you feel um, I guess the, the tactical side of the game um, and you've spoken about some of these already so as an example of attacking right creating space um, in the final third as an example what are some ways um, I guess some methods that we can give coaches um, you know who want to learn a little bit more about how they can embed these small group tactics into soccer how you know w- what would be like the first step with regards to um, you know embedding those futsal concepts into into football i guess the first step is to understand futsal strategies in how they apply to soccer and, and that's one of the things you know that i spent two years doing because futsal doesn't get bigger around the country because people just have those views that okay futsal is just for, for little kids it's just about one v ones, <clears throat> or it's just about like you know doing crazy stuff with the ball. Um, so answering the first part of the question, like indeed, you know, futsal can help with a friendly initiation, can help developing the passion for the sport, can help with more touches, quick thinking, creativity. So all those things most people know about. Now the teaching concepts part is many people don't understand how to do this. You know, like, like you were saying, offensively, find space in between lines, width, depth, mobility, penetration, second and third runners, recycling runs, change directions, uh, variation of target play. Defensively, you know, you can use futsal for teaching zonal or individual defense, anything in between the two, high pressure, low pressure, closing passing lanes, double teaming, uh, how to individually approach the ball, tackling techniques. You can work on both transitions, you know, from defense to offense, from offense to defense. So you can use the environment of futsal to teach all those things if you know how to create an environment of training using all those strategies. So again, the first step is to understand that. And I need to refer again to my YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's free. I'm not selling anything. Of course. There. No, 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 uh, that's fine. So if you go there and you go like into the parallel, into the diagonal video, um, I'm trying to find the names here, to go there to, to find the names uh, to tell you, but there's many different videos there that will yeah. explain to you uh, what those strategies are. So talk to now, us about that because I think um, giving, giving the listeners an example would be great and I've used you know like the parallel as an example, right? And you talk uh, about an... I'm I'm looking more from your website, but you also I'm sure show it on your YouTube channel as well. Um, 
in the scenario of a 2v2, right? Where two players are playing against each other and you give the example of the normal aspect of being able to play a wall pass against a defender. Um, but now when obviously the defenders know how to defend against the wall pass. So, you know, there's a num- it, these are different layers, right? Because first, you know, we teach the wall pass, but then we don't usually teach how to defend against the wall pass. So already you're ahead of the game there. So bearing in mind that we can break, you know, we break down for whatever reason, what, you know, how to defend against a 2v2. Now go into the aspect of the parallel and how that can be used as a tactic to um, attack in a 2v2. Uh, because I, I found that very, very interesting. And this is the part that I really enjoy the most is, okay, these actual tactics on the small group, what do they look like on the field? You know, um, because I think that will definitely help. Yeah, it, you know, uh, for me, like the fact that in soccer players just learn the one, two, it's almost like mind boggling with my <laughs> background in futsal. Yeah. You know, like after playing futsal professionally for all those years, I was like, how do they just teach the one, two, the wall pass? Like, what if the player defending the ball closes the middle? We never go over that to the kids. Or what if the player defending the runner drops with the runner and doesn't allow the wall pass? What absolutely. do you do? Then? No, absolutely. So something we don't even cover normally in soccer. Exactly. It's the ABC of futsal. Yes. So first thing, that player that started the run, if his defender drops with him or her, change direction towards the outside. The player with the ball, move the ball a little wider and maybe use a little flick to go over the foot to play this parallel ball. And I know it's hard to follow here in the podcast. Again, please go YouTube to the YouTube channel, channel yeah. Parallel versus Diagonal. Yes. And you're going to see examples of this. Also, in the website, soccerpowerbyfutsal.com, if you go into the blog, there's a series of free articles. Where is the space? Where I explain everything I'm saying right now. Okay? So, by doing this movement that players are not used to at all in the soccer field, you create a completely different way to beat the defenders. Absolutely. And that's just a step one, the parallel. If the defenders adjust to this, we have different ways to adjust against the defenders. So whatever the defenders do, you're going to find a different way to break down this. So maybe now the player of the ball can make a counter movement towards the inside and beat the player. Absolutely. Or maybe that runner that starts to break the run towards the outside, change direction, opens the body, and you find it pass with pace the front foot, which is the diagonal ball, and then touch forwards, it beats the defender with a pass that was not behind the defender, but in front of the defender. How it worked? Well, it worked because you moved the defender from one side to another. You made the defender lose balance with your movement off the ball. So it's not even technically hard. It's really how you see the game and how you're able to manipulate the space in order to achieve your goals. Fantastic. And probably sounds complicated, right? No, uh, I mean, uh, like this. no, no, I don't think it's, compl- you know, again, as, as, as you've said a number of times, it, it helps a lot. And, you know, to look at your videos on YouTube, because I think it breaks it down and seeing the video really brings, <coughs> up, brings it to life. Um, so that that's very, very important. But, you know, what you're talking about, again, is more um, to do with like, you know, double movements and losing your mark, right? And, and it's an area of the game that perhaps is, you know, un, you know, you know, re- and, and again, I'm, I'm painting with a very broad brush because um, I'm, I'm sure that some people are doing it the right way and teaching these concepts. But for the wider coaching community, um, perhaps, you know, I'm not even aware of that these concepts exist. So I think that it's because I feel that I'm very um, I'm well read, at least with regards to um, understanding soccer concepts. But you know, these concepts, because I've never, I don't have a background in futsal. So you're saying that in futsal, these, these are like the first and second steps. You can really understand and start to grasp, you know, how these concepts can 100% be transferred to, to the game of soccer. At least in my um, experience, um, the, you know, when we're doing small-sided games, um, a lot of the players, as you're saying, they have that step one of, of having the technical ability maybe to beat a player with a skill or some speed, but now when it goes to, um, 
you know the 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 you know when the defenders really know how to defend properly and they you know pressure cover and they're doing that very very well now it takes a little bit more something outside the box as you're talking about to really unlock that defense and as you said those double movements for example and those um you know especially in the final third you'll see um a lot of the time um you know that's where the play breaks down because um when the spaces get smaller the opportunity for a give and go um you know they they become much smaller right and and you really need um either the individual um skill or the the you know the understanding of movement to 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 draw somebody out of a space to take advantage of that space so no it's very very interesting that you talk about that so so we've spoken about what i would say maybe and you know you might see this parallel that you that you talk about or the diagonal in the final third now talking about uh, a concept that i also found very interesting in the build up you talk a lot about the rotations between players to create space where well, i would say you might see that more in central midfield um between you see it all the time especially in the um the the development academy which has just been uh, closed but um the D, you know you see it a lot where playing in a 433 um the opposition will match up as a 433 and it'll be a 3v3 in midfield so talk to us a little bit about how you can maybe create those concepts and and um use those futsal concepts to now um you know, especially the rotations to manipulate that that man-to-man marking. Yes. So just before this, just to complement my last one, um, just crossed my mind, like for whoever is listening to this, don't you think that we're making players memorize all those concepts? Um, according to the path of development we were talking before, those movements at some point will be presented to them in perspective of space. And then you create an environment where the players is making decisions the entire time. Uh, just make it clear that none of those things are things that we're memorizing. Okay, you got to do this or that. No, you present scenarios. Like, ever soccer coach present one-two. You don't force your player to do the one-two exactly when and how you want. The player is going to have to read when to apply the one-two. In the same way, in futsal, you're presenting so many variations. And it's going to be for the player to decide when to do this. And then you create an environment between getting your offense better, your defense better, and you were talking about that, right? Yes. That's going to force the players to technically and tactically find different solutions. Um, I just want to make that clear. No, absolutely. Because I don't want anyone thinking we're memorizing things and the players no, course, are yeah. being controlled. Absolutely not. We're giving them more tools and they're going to have to know how to use those tools. We're creating a game environment that they're going to be applying those things. So, so and just apply. Sorry. Go ahead, sorry. No, no, no. I, I think it's important that coaches understand this. So, just quickly go through the process by which you would teach them. Would it just be going on in it? You know, and I'm talking more a, a soccer fo- football practice. Um, what? Um, you know, would it be in a small sided game where you just freeze them and come in, or how would you teach that? You know, the first time um, to, to to the to the to the players. So, of course, there are different ways to do this. And in the book, I go exercise by exercise in a progression. Okay. And it's like a, a recipe, a cake recipe, you know, like yes, follow of this, this and that. Yeah. But just to be an example, right? I, I, I don't yes. mean to have those things because I can have all this speech here and someone might be listening like you're just saying, yeah, but how do you implement this? Yes. And that's why in the book, I gave one option, one way to do it. Of yep. course, every coach has great ideas, great ways. Oh, I love this concept. I can, I know, I can do this to implement that concept. So, of course, every coach can um, implement in a different way. But in general, like the way I introduce those movements, those ideas for the first time for a player during a game or during an activity where the one shoot doesn't work because the middle space was closed, when you can freeze there. And show, hey, okay, how can you solve it? How can you create space? And then maybe you go through the process with the players until you help them finding out those different options. And then at that point, now that I have all those videos, maybe at the end of the practice, hey, go home now and watch this video. And that helps a lot. You know, like when I show players now, 
Iniesta and Messi make a combination that's a perfect parallel ball. Yeah. Because, you know, if they see that Barcelona or Man City or Liverpool is not just me saying, they say, oh, that's cool. And then the same video they see in Brazil or Spain, futsal national team, doing the same thing. But you want to explain this in the context of the problems of the game. Now, you know, depending on the age and depending on your level, you know, the level of your players, you might find different ways to start this. You could start with a little bit of analytical first, you know, make them watch a video first and then go analytical for a little bit okay. and then you introduce pressure and then you make it become a game. Okay. Um, we'd go back to the same discussions we had about any methodology, right? About, yes. you know, you want a game-based, analytical, how you want to deliver this. Mm-hmm. There's many different ways. In the book, I show one progression from start to end where you incorporate all those little futsal strategies and going into the futsal rotations which would be the answer for the question that you asked me and I haven't answered yet when you're talking about you know in modern soccer when the outside backs go towards the center is supposed to go wide and rotate of someone else yes um, futsal has rotations the 3-1 the 2-2 uh, redondo the goalkeeper rotation that People that understand about it may say, yeah, that's great, but doesn't apply to soccer. Well, in soccer, you're not going to do exactly the same rotation. But okay. if you think about the concepts that the players are learning, and that's not getting to answer your question, yep. the players are learning to, when Eric makes this run inside, I see he's going there, so I see that now the space is outside. So I learn to play the game, not just looking at the ball, not just looking at my opponents, but also look at my teammates. And when you're practicing that in a fast environment in the futsal and with the futsal strategies, players are developing this capacity to read the space and to make actions together. So I understand that my movement has to do with the logic of the space, of opponents, of the ball, and my teammates as well. We see many times, even at high level, two professional players have been doing the same exactly run. Or for sure, you're going to see that a lot at the youth level or even college level, more than one player doing the same thing. Maybe because they were trained, you know, to see the ball, to see the opponents. But are you also seeing your teammates and figuring out what the best ways to regain balance and shape, maybe even exchanging positions with a player? So I guess that's the answer for your that question that they had not answered. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, in football, they're getting those concepts, those ideas. It's not a foreigner concept anymore that if someone comes here, I have to move in that other position and that may affect a third player that's also going to move in order to create a good shape, a good triangle or diamond in order to support the ball, in order to keep a counterbalance shape. So all those concepts behind those strategies are the same in futsal and in soccer because they're not even futsal or soccer concepts. They're concepts of team sports of invasion. When you're trying to get the opposite side of the field so I like I like it you know you're talking here about you know I think perception action coupling and the importance of players understanding um, their and perceiving their environment and the things that are going on around them based on you know for example you know the opposition is pressing in a certain way so there's an option to do this or my teammate is trying to create space on the inside so now they're opening space on the outside so again as you said i think it goes deeper into not the method of coaching but really us asking the questions um to the um, of the players to really get get to the um to the root of their understanding what is their understanding of what is going on do they do they see what we're seeing and and i think through the through the right um you know asking the questions as you're saying um you know you can really begin to now understand what the players are seeing and hopefully continue to improve them as you said because i think um you know through the through answering um questions effectively through as you said video analysis and and um you know showing um players a certain video of a certain um aspect of the game that you that you see perhaps you know the give and go um you know using all of these concepts in some way shape or form will now allow that player to grow and see and come up with that 
what they believe is the the best option in in any given scenario. So um, I think you're absolutely right because again, a lot of people they teach the rotations that okay, we're always going to do this or you know um, as patterns of play, right? Um, where I guess there's no real decision making involved um, because there's no opposition because at the end of the day it has to do not only with the players on our field but or, or, or on our team but also what the oppositions are doing and now how we can counteract what 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 they're doing so i think so, uh, yeah yeah eric i need to get Cecil just said that of course so this that's one of the big advantages that you can take from futsal so you're talking about patterns of play that we see all the time and very normally like very often they're unopposed or people start to put some players there at some point. Yes. But in futsal, if you create this environment between offense and defense, you're able to, in a way, keep going with patterns of play against full pressure. So Absolutely. you kind of have this pattern that's not completely cyclical anymore because okay. you can vary, you can change direction, you can create options in this pattern. So you're keeping possession against full pressure and looking to combine. So that environment, ultimately, is going to make your players better. So if you know how to manipulate all the variables to get to that level, that's how the big names are created. So when you talk about the Neymars and, and, and Ronaldos and Ronaldinhos, that's how they grew up in futsal. They grew up in, a, in, in an environment where they had all those constraints. The defender was good. Defense was good. They had to figure out in that hard environment the solutions. And that's how they became who they became. Fantastic. No, I think that, you know, that that ties everything in very, very well. Um, so again, you've you've spoken to us about the rotations, you've you've spoken to us perhaps about how to unlock a defense with combination play. Now, talk to us a little bit about um another area that I know that you um and it's linked to to that second aspect, the combination play, but the the use of demarcation as you might call it, or losing your mark from the defender. So let's say if a defender is on your back or a defender, you know, is, you know, really giving you trouble under pressure, you talk about different m movements that you can use to want, you know, uh, check out the seesaw, take off, switching positions. Um, talk to us a little bit about um, that aspect of things. And I'm sure it's the same way that you're talking about you know, um, about how to teach it, but talk to us about how that can help players uh, to make the right decisions at the right times when they're dealing with man-to-man -man pressure. So, exactly like you said, um, there's two ways to go about it. One way is to explain every one of those movements, right? You can explain how to check out and check back, how to switch positions, how to do the seesaw, um, you know, you can go into every, any one of those four movements that they have there on the website. Or, sorry, a second. Oh. Sorry. That's fine. So, you can go into the checkout, the seesaw, the takeoff, or switching positions and explain those movements. So, checkout in Portuguese, dar o gato, is basically the, the, the most common movement in futsal. You have a defender against you and you're going to go forward. If the defender doesn't drop with you, you receive behind. Is the one, two, or the through ball? The players are all used to do this. Now, if you realize that the player is coming back with you, you go back from where you started. So now you have space to receive the ball. So that the initial movement of yours creates space and time for you to receive the ball. Um, you can do the take off. So you're under pressure, and someone is at you. So even before the ball, we completely go to different position and open space for a third player to come where you are. And this time, in this way, create space. You can talk about switching positions off the ball. So similar concept, but none of you are like the, the, the closest player of the ball. You're, you're basically just really unbalancing the other team by movement off the ball. The seesaw is kind of a repetition of this. So if you're playing a 2v2 against two great defenders, and every time you play the ball, they drop a little bit. You keep going back and forth, maybe a couple of times. It looks like a seesaw. Um, you can find it like Barcelona with Daniel Alves and Messi. Many times happened with them 
in 2v2s in the outside of the field. Okay. So again, um, you can find the visual of those explanations on the YouTube. But the key thing, if you want to develop this, is to create an environment of training where you're going to constrain your players to have to deal with this pressure. Because otherwise, happens what I see all the time, even at the college level. You know, for many years, I, I saw so many clinics in college when A passes the ball to B, yeah. B passes to C, and then the coaches tell C to check out and check back, receive the ball and pass to D. But there's no real opponent there, right? So you're, you're training something that you're going to face against full pressure and moving on the field, but against no pressure. So if you know how to balance out those, those offensive strategies and defensive strategies, you're going to create an environment where your players will have to use all those solutions that I just mentioned or other things you can come up with in order to allow yourself to create time and space to receive the ball. That No, that's fantastic, uh, Marcelo. I think, you know, that, again, it goes back to, um, I think, the, the most important thing with the whole conversation is just um, putting the ideas out there because I think they're very new ideas to a lot of the coaches. So getting them to understand um, exactly what you're trying to do is will be very, very useful um, for them into now, you know, taking a look at a lot of the stuff that you do. Now, wanting to obviously um, just, I guess, make coaches to understand and reiterate that it's not just attacking that you focus on. It's also defensive concepts. You know, one of the concepts that I know that you um, have spoken about is the concept of doubling, right? So just to give um, coaches an idea and, and, and again, um, I think just to give, you know, give them, um, and you know, this idea that it is the defensive aspect of the game that you're focused on, on as well and how, you know, what is doubling and now how can you, you know, basically include that in your session, if that makes sense. And how would you teach that? So it's another concept that's very common in futsal, depending on the areas on the field. You don't want to have the 1v1, but you're going to have two defenders against, you know, one player with the ball. Um, it does happen in soccer as well. Right, and the higher, higher the level, the more often you're gonna see this. Yeah, and that's why you know you keep the speed of the play to avoid allowing the other team to come and double or triple team against you. However, you know many times again in youth soccer, you don't see that happening too much. Exactly. Um, so you can use this futsal environment to teach players how to double team in an effective way and without running into risks of allowing the other team because if they're coming to double team to create space behind you on other scenarios. So if you do that in futsal, it needs to be perfect. Because if it's not, in futsal, in two yards, you're going to pay a price for it. And normally the price is going to be a player have a shot on goal in front of your goalkeeper. So I like to teach this in the futsal, and I have a video showing a progression from the futsal court. And it worked so well for us, for my team. We're going to the Silver Lakes Showcase. Um, and I started to practice that with my girls took two weeks prior. So we explained the concept of the futsal court, first kind of an analytical way is showing moments to do it, not to do it, and what are the dangers. So I was kind of asking them, okay, if you do this now, it's gonna work, yes or no? And they would go over the whys. Yep. So we had like 15 minute conversation on this, showing examples with them participating. Now, it's a U16 team, okay? Um, and then, we played a game where when we were defending, we were trying to stay compact and do the double team. So that worked for us in the futsal court. So next, we did very similar on the soccer field. In a small side of the game, 6 v 6 we had a low line of confrontation, but when the other team would come underneath this line of confrontation, we'd go really hard to steal the ball and try to double team or triple team in certain areas to steal the ball. And that worked very well for us. Like we went super late and played against the team was really good. So we could not press them right away. So we decided, you know, to stay with a low line of confrontation. But once they hit our field, would really apply a lot of pressure on the ball, double T, get this ball, and counterattack. So again, you know, you can make a direct transfer from the concept of a futsal court to the soccer field. Now, 
going back to everything we said today, ideally, you know, would be great for those kids to be on a futsal court learning those strategies. Probably this one, at the end of their middle school, we started the high school. Now, yeah. even if you don't have a futsal court, but if you're a coach that you know all those things, or, you know, you can learn a bit more about futsal to understand those strategies, how to apply them, and then, you know, you can use your small side games to teach those things. I don't think it's the most ideal scenario, but it's definitely much better than many things I see in the small side of games. Absolutely. Basically, what I'm saying is this. You can use futsal strategies to make your small side of games better. Fantastic. And that, that uh, clears it all up for sure. That's fantastic, Marcelo. So, you know, I think you've, you've cleared that up very, very well. Um, and again, um, you, can, you can go back to, you know, the YouTube channel, your website to kind of find out specifically more information about that. And again, we'll talk a little bit about how to access the book and stuff like that um, for those coaches wanna, wanting to know a little bit more. But just moving now to, I guess, some closing questions, right? Because, um, you know, I'm cognizant of time, your time. Um, so what advice would you give to coaches um, who'd like to pursue a career as a youth soccer coach? And, um, you know, really talking about, you know, now as it pertains to those those small group concepts, right? Um, why are they important and um, how, you know, how can coaches really implement those aspects of the game into their own coaching? I guess the first thing I would say is keep an open mind, you know, because if you go to try to study or learn something and you already think you know everything about that, you like it or don't like it, it's going to be unlikely that you're gonna, it's going to be useful for you. There's so many great methodologies out there. There's so many different great ways to play the game. You know, I don't say that my way, my methodology is the way. I think it's a good option. I think it's a good tool. I'm extremely open-minded you know, to be, you know, learning about different ways, to be improving the way I've been developing. So that would be the first thing. You know, try to keep an open mind, trying to learn as many different things as you can, and then you're going to produce your own style, your own view of the game and what you have to do as a coach. Um, the second advice is enjoy the moment. Um, if there's, I don't have many regrets in my life, but I guess one thing, sometimes I think I worry too much about the future, just enjoy the moment. You know, like life's what's happening right now. Um, so enjoy what you have, enjoy what you're doing. You know, we're always expecting bigger opportunities for us and bigger things, and that's cool and that's fine. It should be like this, but don't forget to enjoy your moment as well. Enjoy your current players, whatever you're doing right now or even if you don't have enjoy to be you know learning something different we gotta enjoy it because you know tomorrow is not a given you're absolutely right i think um you know this time with with um the current situation has really amplified that right the the need to yeah. enjoy the moment for sure um so just um tell us you know about how to access your book you know is it available on amazon um and also your website um you know just, just so that we can get that information um, from you. Um, I actually did not put on Amazon yet okay. because I want to control it and I'm developing some other models um, translating to different languages. Okay. I have some people working uh, in uh, making a translation for this book to Spanish, to Italian, to Portuguese. Okay. Um, so I want to control all this until I get to a point saying, you know what, that's it. Of course. Um, I'm going to stop for a while. I'm going to put in other different places. Okay. But at the end of the day, for the public that likes my book, like it goes everywhere around the world. Like It's fun to have people from in other countries buying it. Yes. Because yes. I'm selling the PDF on my website. I, okay. So it's very right. simple. Soccer Power by Futsal. And then there's a menu there. You go to book. And then they have the instructions how to buy the book. It's going to be a PDF. Okay. Uh, you can play like with PayPal. It's pretty simple. Fantastic. It's pretty straightforward. And then... Um, you know, if coaches want to, you know, keep up to date on your what you're doing and and everything that's new with Soccer Power by Futsal, what's the best way to to keep track? Um, social media, any social media outlets? Yes. So everything is always the same. Soccer powered by Futsal. So there's a page on Facebook, there's the YouTube channel, and there's the Instagram account. Okay. Yeah. Any of those things you put. Soccer Pie by Futsal will be there. I'd love for you, you know, to follow it. Of course. If you want to buy the book, 
I hope you're gonna enjoy. There's a lot of information there. There's explanation of how to implement those things. But if you don't wanna buy the book now, just gonna follow there. There's a lot of content for you as well, for free. Uh, I love feedback, interactions. So if, if you like what you heard here today, if you wanna contact us, you can reach out to me using any of those social medias. And I'd love to, to talk more about it and exchange ideas. Every coach is special. Every coach has different, you know, views of the game. And the more we exchange ideas, the more we grow. Fantastic. That's great. Marcelo, thank you so much for your time. Um, we'll talk again soon, I'm sure. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. I wish you guys the best over there. And uh, if you hear anything you need.